0: right so i don't know if you guys know this uh, or noticed this but the bible all throughout the bible names play a really really key role in fact it's like the very first thing god starts doing right he starts naming stuff so you know god separated the darkness from the light and he called the light day and he called the darkness night right he separated the waters above from the waters below, he called the, the space in between, he called that sky. He named everything. That was like from the very, very beginning. And he named everything and then he saw that it was good. And um, I want you today, the, the point of this message is that, that God has a name for you. You're going to have a lot of names in your life. You have the name you're born with. You have probably some names. That you have identified with that maybe are maybe are accurate maybe aren't Uh, you have names that people have given you and I think also you have a name that's God given that he created you for and um, I think we should embrace that so that's the that's what we're going to talk about today names in the Bible and for us are a use uh, used for identification if you look at uh, Exodus thirty three seven, you know this is um, Moses' like show me your glory moment, where where Moses is having this conversation with God, and he's asking God to show him his glory. And um, in Exodus uh, thirty three seventeen, the Lord said to Moses, "I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know your name." So God's telling Moses, I know your name. And we see that in a lot of places throughout the Bible. When people have an intimate relationship with God, he'll tell them this. I know your name. It's like I know who you are and made you. But it's so much more than that. Just that statement, I know your name, has so much power with it. Um, Names can denote ownership or belonging, right? So, David, who were, you were saying Lily's mom, right, <laughs> or Lily's Lily's dad? I know who you are. You're Lily's dad, right? So, people will identify David as belonging to somebody, right, or somebody belonging to him. You you see all these names in the Bible, and it's really prevalent in in um, the uh, Arabic language. Ab Abba Abraham, anything with that. Ab prefix on it that means father of, and um, so Abu Bakr is the father of Bakr. You know and all these names Abu something, and I always thought it was interesting. I, I lived in uh, worked in North Africa and in Muslim Africa for years, and um, how these these fathers would identify themselves with the names of their kids. I'm Abu something, right? I'm the father. Your dad would be, I'm, I'm the father of David, right? And we see it in different cultures, right? The Icelandic people. If anybody CrossFit, like, fans, just me, okay. So there are these, like, really famous um, CrossFit athletes, and one of them's named uh, Annie Thor's daughter. Um, there's uh, Katrin David's daughter, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, so they, in that culture, they take the father's name, that becomes your, the father's first name becomes your last name. So it, it has this sense of belonging. I really like um, in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. this is where God is saying, if my people, he's taking that possession, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And one of the things that I think is very significant about this passage, I think we generally read it and go, well, that's what I want. I want God to hear me. I want God to heal me, right? I want to be, belong to him. But when we look at the state of the people at that time, He's saying, they are called by my name. They haven't humbled themselves yet, right? They haven't prayed. They haven't sought my face. They haven't turned from their wicked ways. But he still fundamentally identifies them as as his people. That's the kind of love that he has. And, um, you know, sometimes we... When we're in center and we're in a difficult relationship, we artificially strip that ownership away and that's just it's not real it's a it's not a real thing you cannot remove that relationship so possession or ownership that's another thing that names do and then uh it'll have um names have a mission or a calling or a purpose right so Abraham I talked about you know he was somebody else before right uh, abram and that means like exalt, exalted father well when he you remember he, his wife sarah was or sarai at the time was barren and she was way up in years like probably 5 6 times as old as me <laughs> no she was getting she was getting up in years and did just did not believe that they could ever bear children. And God changes his name and says, now you're the father of many nations. And God, even before anything had happened in Abram's life, God took possession of him and gave him a mission and said, here's your name. Your name is your mission. And then today I think it's very important that we we look at remembrance as a function of a name uh, God again throughout the Bible, He takes this as like very very important, um, so important. If you remember in Exodus, God is giving um, Moses and the the Israelites, He's giving them instructions on this is how this is how you're to worship Me, and it's very very detailed, down to like the kind of fabrics that are supposed, the tent of meeting is supposed to be made out of, every little item. You know, God says, do it exactly this way. Well, he has the priest put on this priestly vestment. And do you remember what was on it? It's like an ephod, they called it. It's like a vest kind of thing. And there were supposed to be uh, four rows of three stones, right, for 12, 12 stones. And on each of the stones, each had a different type of stone that had a meaning to it. But God said, I want you to take these stones and engrave the names of the tribes of Israel on these stones as embossing a seal. All right? So you know what like seals look like when they get stamped. So, you know, almost like a coat of arms, as if as if you were making a seal. So the the priest was to wear these names in the presence of God. And God gives an interesting reason for this. God says do this so that I will remember the names of my people and it's like God you know God can't forget but anything but sin I you know we've got like all these like mysteries surrounding about surrounding like the God and who he is and 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 why right but one of the things God says is I want to be reminded continually I want to be reminded of my people and specifically by name So today is a a special name. We call it Memorial Day, right? We named the day Memorial. And so I just wanted to show you a couple of things that Memorial Day means to me. Does anybody know what this photo is? Probably everybody does, right? Anybody been to the Vietnam Memorial? Yeah, it's really uh, striking, isn't it? Just this expanse. And what is it? It's names. It's all names. This is a photo uh, of the 9-11 memorial at, uh, at the Pentagon. And uh, if, you, if you see written on the end of where that soldier is sitting, there's a name. So there's, 100, there's 184 of these uh, benches out there. And each one of them has a name. And, you know, we can look at numbers and go, okay, well, 184 people died at the Pentagon on that day. But when you look out across this and you see one bench for every person, it really makes it hit home, you know? Um, Memorial Day, I think uh, it becomes, there's some point in your life for many, many people in our country that it, Memorial Day becomes very, very personal. I was going to say something about these guys, but I don't think I can. Me just say I uh I'm privileged to have known them and I love them so much. And it's really tough to just see their names, you know. Um some of these guys, my name was written on the same airplane as their name was written. And uh, you know, they're they're uh there's a bond in the military that's unique, you know. You're literally preparing to go die with these guys. And when they die without you, it's a little hard. All right, so <laughs> let's remember what Memorial Day's about. And let's not forget these guys and ladies. I mean, everybody, probably everybody in this room has been touched by that. And uh, let's just be thankful that we knew them and that we knew their names. All right, let's lighten this up a little bit. So naming actually was mankind's very first job. So God created, and then he made Adam and Eve, right? He made Adam first, and then even before Eve came along, Adam had a job. And that job was to name all the animals. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, And the man chose a name for each one, and he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. And, uh, you know, we've, since that time, I think, like in my imagination, it was all in Hebrew. But I don't know if that's, I mean, we had the whole Tower of Babel thing. We had Noah and the flood. Who knows? Who knows what the original language is? Somewhere down the line, it ended up being history in Hebrew or Aramaic or some form of that. Uh, but I kind of think that Adam was creative and, you know, named things like after what he thought they would do, and there's kind of a trend on, on the internet these days where people are, I guess, kind of kind of mimicking what Adam would have done, so... I have a few examples of this. These make me laugh every time. I've seen them like 800 times. (laughs) I think that, that I think, was the original name. (laughs) Hold on. But Adam didn't have pants, so I don't know. He might have just called it something different. Yeah, I figured if the message isn't going that great, put up pictures of puppies. <laughs> uh yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about our names. And um so we have the name that we start with, right? And we talked about what that means. I told you my name was Eunice. Um, so John actually means, you know, God is gracious. Um, so Abraham and Sarai, Abram and Sarai, they had their names and they were their names were changed, right? So Abraham and Sarah means father of many nations and princess. It's kind of nice. Um, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, right? Do you remember the event where that happened what was happening he was wrestling an angel right and he was so jacob the name jacob if you guys named your kid jacob that means deceiver means he grasped the heel You remember the story of his birth yeah so jacob uh was the deceiver but um You know, interestingly, God, this is so neat about God and names. God continually identifies himself as the God of Jacob, right? So even understanding, he's like, okay, Jacob, I know who you are, you know, and and I know everything about you, and you're a deceiver. Like, that's okay. I, I just made you out of dirt in the first place, right? So, you are what you are. But he for God to say, I'm the God of Jacob, I'm the God of that deceiver, Jacob, you know, in spite of all of our challenges and, and like, who we end up being, like, character-wise, God is still the God of us. We're, you know, some people like to think that uh, that, you know, religion is just a thing that we made up and that God is imaginary. And. There's no way you can look at this world, this universe, and really believe that. And, uh, you know, we are, we are not a figment of God's ima- imagination. We are literally a figment of his imagination. If he had not imagined and created, we would not be here. Um, <clears throat> so Jacob then wrestles the angel. And do you know what the whole wrestling thing was about? Jacob grabbed hold of that angel, and he said, I am not turning you loose until you bless me. Jacob was so desperate for, to be blessed by God that he grabbed hold of him and would not turn him loose. And you can imagine how rough that wrestling match would have been. For those who have wrestled in this room, that is the most exhausting thing you can do. I don't care. Any sport, all the sports I've ever done, wrestling is the most exhausting thing. And he wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with his angel. And finally, the angel, what, broke his hip, right? Made him lame. And uh, and he said, um, your name is now Israel, because you're the one who struggles with God, or wrestles with God. And so that, now God is saying, this is maybe even more profound so i'm the god of the deceiver but i'm also the god of this one who just wrestles with me all the time and i think god sees that as a as a positive attribute he we we should struggle god is mysterious we should struggle with our understanding of him we should struggle with our identity in him we should so you know maybe in there somewhere we are all deceivers And maybe we all need to be the ones who struggle with God, who will grab hold of him and not turn him loose. We have uh, Simon. Do you remember what Simon's name became? Peter the Rock, right? And this was before the Rock was the Rock. (laughs) Um, So he got this great wrestler name. But Jesus had, like, a tendency to give great wrestler names. Because uh, James and John, they became the sons of thunder. They probably showed up on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) So I I really appreciate God's sense of humor, future sense of humor. Like, he laid that Easter egg for us 2,000 years before we had pro wrestling. Love that. And... He named, uh, so another name is Isaac. Isaac means he laughs, right? God is also the God of Isaac, right? God is the God of the ones who laugh. Here's an interesting name, Ichabod. Does anybody know what Ichabod is? The glory of God has departed. And the very good he's like a biblical scholar over there and his name is Isaac so he laughs so the story of Ichabod um you know in back when you know King David and King Saul they had the Ark of the Covenant right and they would so King Saul would take this thing into battle as God had directed them to and they had since the time of Moses right and um, so there Eli was the prophet at the time and uh, the high priest I guess and he had two sons who were a little bit uh, questionable named Hophni and Phinehas and uh, they got to the point where this ark of God they were just kind of taking it around as like a good luck charm kind of thing and they showed up in this battle Uh, they did not consult God whether they should even be in the battle or not they just took this thing and assumed that, all right, well, we don't need to really actually have a relationship with God or talk to God. We just need to take this thing out, and it got captured, and Hophni and Phineas were murdered in that battle, and when the runner came to tell Eli, Eli had um, put on a few pounds, and he was sitting on a wall, and when he, the runner came and told Eli that the his sons had been killed. He was like, okay. And then when he said, and the ark of God has been captured, and he fell off and broke his neck and died. So then same runner goes, now he's got another piece of news. One, of, Was it Hophni or Phinehas, one of their wives? Phineas's wife? She was pregnant. So she gets this news, okay. Your husband died, your father-in-law has died, and also the ark of God has been captured. And um, she went into shock and gave birth at that moment, and she named that child Ichabod. The glory of God is gone. How would you like to carry that around your whole life? Um, God has names. Yahweh, the great I am. If you didn't notice the theme of the music today, it was all about names, right? He calls himself the Holy One of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 44, God, um, God delights in the thought that someday we will all have the same name. He says, I will pour out my spirit and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like, widow, like willows on a river bank. Some will proudly claim, I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I am descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the honored name of Israel as their own. You know, God is a lover. God loves us so much. And, you know, when we're created in his image, and so the things about us that kind of separate us from the animals, you know, those things that are, um, the things that we possess in a very limited way, God possesses in the, a perfect and infinite way. Why do we love? We love because God is love, right? And, and we often take these attributes of God and we use them, distort them, and, and they become something they're not supposed to be. God is a jealous God. And he should be, right? I mean, nothing has more value than him. So when we assign value to something other than him, why he should be jealous? Well, we have jealousy too, but we just kind of like ruin everything with it, right? Um. So I imagine this this verse as, you know, like when you were young, and guys and girls probably all did this. You know, you got this crush and you're in junior high or whatever, and you're writing your name on your notebook and you use his last name next to your name. Or, you know, you're sitting here writing, you know, kind of love notes or imagining, you know, what it would be like to be with this person forever, right? Or maybe it's your girlfriend and you're writing your last name with her name. And so, this is, to me, in my imagination, that's what God's doing. He's saying, some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the honored name of Israel as their own. To me, it's like God, if he can, like daydreaming and us being so in love with him that it's his name we're writing in our notebooks and, you know, when we're supposed to be doing algebra or whatever. Um, in Exodus, Exodus fifteen three, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. In uh, Psalm 99, Three, your name is holy. Blessed be your name. We have the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed or holy is your name. Your name endures forever. So you have a name. You have a name that is a perfect descriptor of what God created you for. It describes your character. It describes your passion and your purpose, for, um, your purpose in life. God created you for a reason. And your name reflects that purpose, and that purpose reflects the image that God created you in. So if you love, it's because God loves infinitely and perfectly. If you desire justice, it is because God is a just God. If you are creative, it is because God is the creator. If you are fascinated by the things God created, it is because God delighted in creating all things for our enjoyment. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Um, He enjoyed creating fascinating things and hiding them. You know, we're still discovering things that we never, nobody in history has ever seen. New species of things, new, they're not new. They're just, God left them there for us to discover and be in awe of him. So we have, I think we're all in a way, in a, in a quest for a name, and um, sometimes we have an identity crisis. It's kind of this crisis of belief that you know maybe we assign a wrong name to ourselves because we don't value ourselves appropriately, or maybe we value ourselves too much. Um, my I guess history of this, it actually really shaped like who I am for all. Like, my whole life, um, when I was about, I guess, five years old, I decided I was going to be a marine. And um, my dad, my stepdad, was a, a policeman, and uh, I always saw him as like this savior and protector, right? And he was so big and tough, and and you know, not afraid of anything. And I really admired that. And he and I used to watch, you know, John Wayne movies, Sands of Iwo Jima, and we used to watch uh, a show called Baba Black Sheep which was Pappy Boyington and Guadalcanal, and that was that was what I was going to do. I was just like, Pappy Boyington, that's my thing. Well, 20-some years later, I was standing at the uh, National Aviation Museum in Pensacola, Florida, on a, the flight deck next to Pappy Boyington's airplane and getting winged as a Marine Corps Naval Flight Officer. So... That's how, when I was seven years old, you guys were scouts. Do you remember the little Boy's Life magazines? So seven years old, not even old enough to be a Boy Scout yet, but I I found um, a Marine Corps recruiting thing in Boy's Life magazine. I sent it in. I was seven years old. I sent it in. I got a letter back from a recruiter that said, uh, let's just wait till you're out of college and then we'll try it, right? Uh, Which I did. But anyway, this time, so I'm like little kid, five or six years old, and that's who I decided I was going to be. I had taken on that name of Marine already. And, uh, and then one thing happened that just completely crushed me. So I lived in southern New Mexico, and um, we were like the white minority in town. It was very Hispanic, you know, a lot of gang activities. We lived on a little house on Twelfth Street in Lovington, New Mexico, and across the street was a a little city park and um so me and my sisters I had some stepsisters we'd go out and we'd play in the park till it was too dark, and then we'd run across the street and go home so one night, my older sister Carrie, and I were at this park, and um it was getting dark it was time to go home, and we got trapped by three little guys with they weren't they were big to me but they were just kids and they pulled out a switchblade and started demanding money and okay like I was like this big compared to them I was so small and um I I was like so helpless you know so helpless and I just left I left my sister there Now, she got out. She, you know, we weren't very far from the house. I don't think they realized where we lived and that our dad was a policeman. Um, But, you know, in this moment, like, to me, it was like, just get away, and if you can get to dad, then everything will be fine, Um, which was probably the wisest thing I could have done at the time. But for some reason, it just, like, ruined me because it's like how... I felt like God had created me to be a savior, you know, to be the one that put my life in between death and those who would cause it. And here's, like, the first opportunity in my whole life. And now I am 0 for 1, you know. I have a 0% average. And I am i haven't even started yet. And uh, you know what I I – I made some decisions then. And uh, the main, if I can just kind of boil it down, um, it's, the the phrase is as if. To make decisions and to live life as if you are what God created you for. Um, You know, years after years of actually being in the Marines and kind of like proving myself, you know, I mostly had to convince myself, <laughs> not others, but, you know, kind of proving to myself that I can do this. This is, this is actually what I was created for. And um, what I learned was that there's never a situation in life for anyone where you are immune from being that little tiny kid surrounded by three guys with knives. It doesn't matter how big you are and how tough you are and how wealthy you are and how whatever, there's always a giant, always is. But how you deal with that matters. I've gone way long now, but I, I wanted to talk to you about Moses, and I'm going to, like, boil this down really quick, right? Does anybody know what the name Moses means and who named Moses? So Moses means drawn out. And there's so many like symbolic things in Moses' life, right? He was, they were slaves. The Israelites were slaves. Moses was born into slavery. He was sentenced to death from before his birth. His life was saved by floating in water, which symbolizes death, you know, for the Israelites especially deep water, that symbolizes death. That's why we have baptism, right? Because you pass into death and back into life. And they built a, a little raft out of reeds, right? So the wood of the cross, the wood is what saved him. He was drawn out. Um, Moses didn't even have a name. It was, he was the baby or the child. And then Pharaoh's daughter is the one that pulled him out. And she's the one that named him. Your name's going to be Moses. That means drawn out. Well, okay, you're all intelligent people. What did Moses do? What was like his whole mission in life? To draw the Israelites out, right? Um, so Moses had a couple of, I, I think he had kind of my my moment in the park one day when, you know, he grew up um, working for the Pharaoh as the Pharaoh's son, and one day he saw one of Pharaoh's servants beating an Israelite, right? And so he defended and he murdered the guy and buried him in the sand. So he recognized his purpose and his name, but he did it in his own way. And that caused him to just be like, he had to go into exile, right? Now, turns out that was a good thing because that when, that's when he met God face to face but he was having a crisis of belief, right? Like, okay, I tried to do what my purpose was and now look, you know, I'm out here in Midian or wherever it was and taking care of the goats and there's no way I'm ever going to go rescue my people who are in slavery. And then God meets him. And God gives him some challenges. And uh and they are to step through his fear barriers. Um, I think that, you know, God, so first of all, burning bush, right? Moses, take off your shoes, you're, in, you're, in, you're on holy ground, and God gives him some things. First of all, he says, God says, I have heard the cry of my people, and I have decided to rescue them. So now it's no longer Moses' idea, right? This is God using him for God's purpose, and God's telling Moses, you're the one that's going to get to do this. So uh, God gives him some signs, right? Strikingly, every one of the signs seems to be or should have been something pretty terrifying to Moses, right? So one of them was, okay, so you've got this stick, right? You've got this staff. Throw your staff on the ground. And so Moses throws a staff on the ground, and it turns into a snake, right? So the Bible tells us, and I love the way it's phrased, Moses fled in terror, it says. So Moses is standing before this burning bush. You got to think he's like in shock. He's barefoot, right, because he took off his sandals. He's in the presence. He knows he's in the presence of God. But yet all of a sudden this snake is so terrifying to him that he cannot physically control his body and he takes off running. Moses fled in terror. So then God's like, Okay, okay, okay. So God turns the staff back in or snake back into a staff and he says, "Moses, pick up your stick." Is that the way it went? It's not the way it went. It's not the way it went. God said, "Moses, you pick up that snake." And so we've all seen the, you know, the nature films, right, where you take a piece of the branch and you pin the thing down, and you pick it up by the head, right? So it doesn't bite you, God says. Moses, pick that thing up by the tail. So Moses had to make a decision. He had to decide that doing what God said, the way God said to do it, has to be more valuable to me than my own life. Because he knew that if he grabs a, you grab a snake by the tail, what happens? You're going to get bit. That's the key. Now I think that when we step through our fears and we obey God in in spite of our fears, that is the most pure form of worship that there is. Because worship by definition is assigning worth. It's like worth-ship, right? Worship. So when, when we're afraid of something, it's usually because we fear loss. We fear loss of comfort. We fear loss of our life. We fear loss of a loved one. We fear loss of our fortunes, whatever it is. Fear is always associated with loss. Well, when we encounter a place where we have to obey God in spite of our fears, if we choose the safe route, then we're saying, God, I value my comfort, my own protection more than I value obedience to you. But if we step through that fear, then we're saying, God, you got this. And you know what? I love the way, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did this, right? They said, we know our God is able to save us from this furnace. But even if he does not, we want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will not, right? We're going to obey God. So that's like such a great example. And God could have saved them. He could have changed Nebuchadnezzar's mind. Nebuchadnezzar could have said, "Ah, oh, okay, never mind. I like you guys," and and God would have they would have been saved, right? They would have been saved, but that's not what um that's not what God did. God saved them from the midst of the fire. They were in the fire when God rescued them, because that's where God gains the mo- most glory. If Nebuchadnezzar had changed his mind, then it would have been like, "Oh, look how kind and." generous and forgiving nebuchadnezzar is right that's not how god does it so we go through these in uh to kind of wrap that story up we go through these crises of belief crises of belief and uh, even after god had shown moses all these miracles and told him this is not you this is me i'm gonna do it moses said what i'm not a good speaker and God says, who made your mouth? God says, I'm, I know everything about you. I know about your mouth. I made your mouth. And he, I mean, God still let him have Aaron, right? We see throughout the Bible where God gives concessions to us because we're weak, right? But you know what? The greatest, the greatest uh, blessings are to those who obey. And don't ask for the concessions. So here's, here's the end of the story with Moses that's the beginning of the story. So Moses steps through his fear. He picks up the snake. And the rest of the miracle happens. And I'm just wondering, like, how many in our lives, how many of us have these, like, endless string of unfinished miracles? Because we just assign worth in a, in a way that places us above the worth of God or the worth of obedience to God. You know, the good news is, bad news is we've all done that and we're probably all in the midst of it right now. The great news is God is the God of Jacob and God is the God of Israel and God is the God of whatever your name is, right? God is the God of you. If you're a deceiver, if you wrestle with him, if you're whatever, God is the God of you. Even when you don't know him, he's the God of you. I'm going to close with this. as is just like one of my favorite things about um, You know, we we have, uh, we know how the story ends because we have the book of Revelation, right? So, ultimately, we know how it ends. And um, Revelations 2.17 has this really remarkable image that it, that it provides to us. And it says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give... Uh, some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on that stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And I think, this is my imagination, it's not, I'm not a theologian, but in my own imagination, when we, when we receive this stone, this white stone, that only God knows the name on it, you know, we will we will look at that thing, and we're going to see that name, and I think we're going to go, oh, well, of course that's my name. Like, we will have known in our heart that this name, this is what God created me for, from the very beginning, and the steps that God took me through in my life, the highs and the lows and the challenges, and the ways He stretched me to make me grow, the way He humbled me to make me turn to Him, all of those pieces are gonna tell me a story of who I am. And that name, when I read it, I'm gonna go, Absolutely, of course, that's my name. That's who I am, right? So the, here's our challenge. All right, first of all, embrace who you are all right you are good enough you are loved right don't take names that aren't you you know we we have a tendency as christians to say i'm just a sinner saved by grace well that's true but we shouldn't fundamentally identify ourselves as sinners we should fundamentally identify ourselves as a children of god Right, First and foremost, understand that we have a tendency for that problem of sin, but understand who we are. And we act as if, right? We act as if we are who we're created to be. That's redemption, right? That's God taking something that was all messed up and making it new. So that's the first challenge. The the second part of that challenge is uh, don't take on labels that are not appropriate. All right? Your name is not addicted. Your name is delivered. You're not, your name is not rejected. Your name is loved. Right? Your name is not flawed. Your name is made perfect. And most of all, this is the third part of the challenge, this is how we'll end. Let's just identify ourselves like the song said, I am who you say I am. So let's connect with God, wrestle with God, and be who he says that we are. Let's get the band back up here. We're going to do one more song called Solid Rock because that's a name of God that I really love. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you for all the names. God, for the names of all those people um, who have died serving their country, may they be remembered, God. And we just lift their names up to you. You know every single name. You know every name in here. God, and we just lay it down to you and um, help us to act as if we are your children, to reject the names that people give us and that we give ourselves that are not right. And God, that we just embrace who we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.